Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Welcome to Thrive Church this morning. How's everyone? Good, good deal, good deal. Good to have you guys here today. Um, thank you for successful fall kickoff weekend. We had around total for the whole weekend on campus, about 580 people. Um, had 330 folks last week, man. It was awesome. And just trying to go after our community, believing God wants to do something great with that. So thank you guys. Um, just a tremendous kickoff to our series, too. Um, last week I had so many people talking about how much this has helped them so far. And just the simple principles of, of marriage. And so, and even singles, if you're single and you're like, well, why did I come? It's a marriage series where either you are preparing for marriage, you're in the battle, or you're repairing for marriage, for marriage. One of those three things is happening to you, right? You're in one of those three categories, and this is going to help whatever category that you're in. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Peter 3, 8. 1 Peter 3, 8. 1 Peter 3, 8. And uh, how many of you guys have ever been in a fight before in your marriage or as singles, right? You've fought before, right? Well, today I'm talking, talking about fighting fair. I had a, a friend who he said, and this is before I got married, he's doing marriage counseling for us. And he said, you know what? He said, I went to the Magic Kingdom with my wife and we we're going across the, the, the river or whatever it is there. I've never been that privileged to go. Everybody say, oh... Okay, so as he's riding across, he said, across that river, he said that uh, him and his wife got a big argument, really big argument. And he looks at her and he says, even you can take the magic out of the magic kingdom. (laughs) Have you ever had one of those fights before when you get into something like that? How many of you guys ever fought about something stupid? Raise your hand. Come on, participate with me. Okay, you've done that. Nobody ever. Okay, good. rest of you are liars and we're going to pray for you. Our famous fight in the Bordeaux record books was about a downtown. It was, it was all about a downtown. This is like club hands here. Can't do anything with them. And, and we were going downtown Athens. We were in college. And we were going to eat at Doc Chase. Everybody loves some Doc Chase. If you've had that, right? Somebody said yes. The rest of you don't know the blessing of Doc Chase. So anyway, we're headed there. And number one, I hate driving downtown. Right? Number two, I cannot parallel park. I am deficient in that area. I was not taught that in Turkey, North Carolina. You just parked in a field. There was no parallel parking. And number three, I hate crowded areas like in downtowns and cars. I'm just not good. So at any rate, um, we're driving down about 40 minutes trying to find a parking space. Driving around. I am, I am angry. I mean, I, I'm livid at this point. And I'm like, I can't parallel park. This is stupid. I'm so angry. And then she gets angry. And we both decide, just forget it. Let's just drive home. So we get, we, well, we're in the car. We, we, we went around, went home. We stopped at Wendy's. We got chicken nuggets from Wendy's through the drive-thru. And we drove home in silence, eating those chicken nuggets, not getting the blessing of Doc Chase because we got angry and we fought. Now, here's the reality. Y'all are laughing at me, but we all will fight. We're sinners by nature, and, and you're going to argue and fight. The key is, in, in your relationship, it's not fighting for victory, but it's fighting for resolution. See, unhealthy couples want to win the fight. Healthy couples, they fight for resolution. Let's, let's find a, a resolution to this, not I'm going to win this fight. 
And so today I want to talk to you about fighting fair. And you can look in 1 Peter 3, 8 through 10. And Peter says this. He says, finally, all of you. Who's that? So that's me. Not your neighbor, that's, that's you. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love his brothers, sisters. Be compassionate and humble. Do not, you hear me? Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Let's pray. Father, today we pray that we could take that word forth, Lord, in fighting fear. God, we're all going to fight. And we pray that you would help us as we argue and debate in our relationships. That you would enter in and meet us, God, in that place. Lord, we love you in this place. We, we, we praise you. And God, we're just inviting you into our relationships, our marriages, so that you can help us to fight for resolution and not for victory. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. But we've all had to fight it sometime, hadn't we? Um, some of you need these gloves. And because you fight a whole lot, um, afterwards, if you're like, man, my wife and I fight a lot. There ain't no judging in here. I'm going to give you those gloves. And if you hit each other, then I'm calling the cops on that. Men, I need your help first, okay? Men, all the men in here, are you guys awake? Have you had your coffee? I need your help because I'm going to share a verse of scripture with you, but I got to hear some man grunt real quick. Can somebody do that? It's not barking, grunting. Men, the Bible says this, and ladies, you just wait a second. Don't look at me with those judgmental eyes because I'm going to get to them in a second. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 15, a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. A nagging, quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. The very fact that you're clapping, you're going to need marriage counseling in that. Drip, 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 drip. Don't ever quote that during a fight either. Um, it, it doesn't help. Ladies, if you feel left out, here's a better one. It's better to have severe hemorrhoids than to live with a husband who's a jerk. Now you said, I don't remember that in the Bible. Well, it's in 2 Kevin 4.2. And in 2 it should be. Right, ladies? Now we're, we don't add or take away. But if God, you know, wanted to add something, if he wanted to do it, he could probably add that one. It'd be okay with all of us in here. We've all thought about something stupid and insignificant. We've all done that. And what I want to do is, is this, because sometimes we start off with, with stupid, insignificant stuff, and it turns into an all-out blowout. You're sleeping on the couch, she's in the bed, you won't talk to each other, you won't touch each other, um, because we begin to hit below the belt. And there's ways you can tell that you begin to hit below the belt, and here's some of them. Number one is this criticizing Four signs you aren't fighting fear. It's when you begin to attack the person and not the issue. Okay? So the husband, which we are all guilty of. Okay? We're guilty. We don't take the trash out. We forget. Because men have a gift of amnesia. It's okay. And so therefore you go and you say, well, you never take the trash out. You never do it. And every time, and no, you always, and you never. And then, like, what happens? You're mad because you just attacked me. You said that, that it's always and never. And, I, and you start attacking. Well, you're just lazy. And you start attacking. No, seriously, we're laughing, but you start attacking the person, not the issue. 
You don't fight the person, you always fight the issue. The second thing we do is content, when you hit below the belt, is disgust, sarcasm, and eye-rolling, mocking. I know none of you ever do that because you're at Thrive Church, and everybody at Thrive Church is holy. There are, I can see your halos. But for your friends, write this down. You can help them out. Defensiveness. It's when some, your spouse approaches you about an issue, you go, well, that's, that's not me. You always do that. And you start putting it back on them. You can't take constructive criticism. And then number four is when it progresses to stonewalling. You tune out and shut down. 85% of men do this. Because men, it's hard for us to verbalize. I said last week about praying. It's hard when you're praying to verbalize sometimes because prayer is just verbalizing your feelings to God. Men aren't good at verbalizing feelings. Some guys are a little better than others, but most guys, I'm, 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 I'm going to bat for you right now. You're just not that good. But stonewalling is when you shut down, you won't talk to the person, and you both are at a standstill, and you refuse to move toward resolution. And here's the key. Do not fight against each other. Fight the enemy. And the enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is Satan. And he hates your marriage. He hates the joy that you can have from it. He hates all that God wants it to be. And he's going to fight you in that. You've got to realize when you're in those intense moments, I have an enemy and it's not that guy. All right? He may look a little bit like Satan right now, but that's not him. (laughs) And we've got to learn to fight the right battles. And I believe this today, guys that marriages in this place can be healed today. I really believe when we get through this message, you're going to find a, a piece of healing. I think some of you that are going in, going in two potential marriages, you can get healed today too. And you can find healing from your, your brokenness and you can have a great marriage. I believe any marriage can be great. It just takes work. And then some of you are repairing from a, from a, from a bad marriage. And it's Okay. God has you in the right place because God's going to bring healing to you. See, I believe with Christ, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. All things are possible. And I believe with Christ, any marriage can be great. See, I believe that. And I believe in Christ, with Christ, your marriage can be great. John Gottman does marriage conflict. For 16 years, he studied married couples. And one thing he found out across the board, they're all going to fight. Even your pastor and his wife do that. Downtown, right, yeah, we do. It's not the fact if, it's when, and it's how you fight. He said the couples that that learn to fight fairly and have rules of engagement are able to be able to to have a longer marriage than those who do not have that. And so this morning what I want to do is look at one verse inspired by God that can show us that truth. Just one verse. Well, I want to know all the secrets about the dragons in Revelation. Ah, I've got another tabernacle. Why is it that we know all that stuff, but we, we can't make it in a marriage? Because many of us aren't applying the very things that we know. And so I want one verse today that we're going to memorize, and we're going to see. It's going to show us how to fight fear in our marriages. Look at James 1.19. It should be in your talk notes, and it's on the screen for you in James 1.19. It says this in James 1.19, very familiar passage of Scripture, verse of Scripture. James says, everyone, say that's me. Realize I've used all-inclusive language in all of these these, uh, Scriptures because it's all of us. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. There are three things that you've got to know about fighting fear in your marriage. Three things. And the first one is this in James 1.19. He says everyone should be quick to listen. Write in your talk notes is this. The first point is stop to listen carefully. Stop to listen carefully. My wife hates it when she thinks I'm not listening. Matter of fact, one day we were, we were eating and one of you knuckleheads sent me an email. I, had to, I thought I had to respond to it at that moment. I'm joking. Well, actually it wasn't an email, but I felt, it wasn't anybody's fault. It's my, I felt like I needed to answer right then and handle and, and save the world, right? So I'm listening to her and like, and I made the mistake. You ever made the mistake? What'd you just say? Oh, I missed that last part. She said, no, no, you missed everything. You weren't listening because you were on your phone. Um, so we, you know, we have rules now where uh, she, she tells me when I can take my phone out. So if you ever see me using my phone, like you see social media, I have, I have her blessing that I can use it. And if we go out to eat somewhere, it's like, do I bring the phone or not? She's like, yeah, you can. Like, no, it, go, it goes in the console. All right? So if you ever, like, call me and you have an emergency and you can't get me, you're like, oh, my God, it's a call 911 because that means if I answer that phone... I may come to save your marriage, but I'm going to need my own marriage to be saved. But I called her. The funny, funny thing was, you know, she was doing all this, and I was driving the other day. I was just pouring my heart out to him, talking, and she's over there doing this number. And I got her. I said, you're not even listening, are you? I said, put the phone down. And she knew that she makes me do that. I had to do that too. So I believe Facebook, and, and, and I use Facebook and Twitter and all that, um, I believe that it's ruined more marriages than heroin. And I believe that Candy Crush Saga is running rampant in our country. And marriages are falling apart by the days because of Candy. And I'm, I'm just, I never played Candy Crush Saga. I just see it a lot. And I, yeah, I thought it was The key is this. You've got to stop to listen. Proverbs 18.2 says this. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in airing. It's funny, it says his own opinions. I guess, you know, writer of Proverbs knew as men that don't listen very well. But it's literally saying that a fool does not want to listen, just wants to vent their mind. Well, I just share all my mind. The Bible calls you a fool. I didn't, don't look at me like that. I just, what comes, comes up, comes out. The Bible says you're a fool. Because you, you don't listen, you don't pause, you don't vent. It just comes up and comes out. And you're not good at listening. And a lot of marriages are running into to, to fools hitting each other because they're not listening. Certain ancient Indian tribes would do this. When in big debates, they would have the Indian talking stick. And they would take this stick, and the one who had the problem with the group would be talking. Of course, talking stick. And, of course. And he's talking to everyone. And then if somebody wanted to speak, they could raise their hand for the stick, but they could only answer a question to clarify what he was saying. They couldn't start sharing what they, well, I'm mad at you because, you know, you tore, you tore my teepee up. It wasn't like that. It's like, help me understand and clarify what, what you're really feeling there. That's all they could do. And that's how they solve conflicts in certain ancient Indian tribes. And the key is this, you've got to seek to understand, not be understood. Well, my wife is really, she's going through something. She's like, I need to talk to you. And if you do this, I'm going to do the same for you. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions because I want to understand what's really happening there. So she comes and says, you know, I'm um, trying to think the things that, that uh, you, I tell you, what, tell you what I do a lot, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. I overdraft my bank account a lot. And she does the budgeting. 
because she gives me an allowance, and I, I, I just forget. Uh, I'll run that debit card, and she's like, oh, or I'll, or I'll pay my credit card bills, okay? You guys remember Strap, February, if you were here in February? And so she gets upset. She'll say, honey, I need to talk to you. And so I sit down and say, no, okay, what can I do better? How can I make it better? I don't jump back at her, and it's not an argument. She brought the issue up, and it's important enough for me to stop, to listen, to clarify. So one of the keys is seeking to understand. Men, 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 men. Can I talk to you for a second? You were all grunting and clapping like a bunch of Pentecostals a little while ago, and now you're all you know, quiet and looking at me. We are terrible listeners for the most part. There's a few men that are good listeners and they are psychologists and have doctorates. If you don't have that, you're a bad listener. We're by nature just bad. Learn how to listen when your spouse or, or possible spouse is engaging you. Lean in to listen. Ask questions. Muse. Hmm. Don't, you know, and then when she asks you a question, respond. Because men are by nature terrible at listening. I am a terrible listener, and my wife has helped me so much. There's a story of teenage prostitutes in San Francisco. Young people who have given their life and their bodies over to make money. And when they were approached about why they did this, they said, I never had anybody that I felt cared enough to listen to me. And this is how I get attention with that. He's just killing kids. It's no problem. Some of y'all prayed for that, and, and your kids are getting beat over there in children's church. I'm joking. We don't, we don't do that here. And it's because of listening, a lack of listening. Chuck Swindoll said this, and some of you guys know Chuck Swindoll. He said that um, in his early years of ministry, he just went, 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 went. And he got home one night for dinner. He's eating with his family, and his daughter says, Daddy, 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 I want to tell you something, and I'll tell you really fast. He says, no, honey, you don't have to tell me really fast. He says, well, then listen really slow. It, it listening, one of the things that, that, that hurt marriages is our inability to listen to our spouse. You know what happens after time? And some of you may have faced this. You may even be in this. If you feel like the person's not listening after a while, you know what happens? You stop talking. And then you both just coexist. Make a commitment that we're going to listen carefully to each other. Here's the second commitment we're going to make today. In James 1.19, he says, Everyone should be quick to listen and then slow to speak. Women don't have a hard time speaking, do they, men? So, for all of us in here, guard your words faithfully. Listen to me. Guard your words faithfully. The Bible even says this in Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your, this is the New Living Translation version, I love it, and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Now, time out. Never use that in a fight. You know what Proverbs 21, 23 says? Keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Don't say that in a fight. It doesn't work very well. And, and the two questions you've got to ask is, should it be said and should it be said now? Should it even be said and should it even be said now? Um, don't ever go to the airport and when you're dropping your wife off at the terminal, bring up something that needs to be fixed in your marriage. Why do you ask? Yes, your pastor did that. <laughs> My wife was like, really? I am literally going to the airport and, and I, I, I'm le Really, you're going to do this right now? I was like, oh Lord. And when she got back, we dealt with it. But should it be said and should it be said now? Some things, and realize this, are better to discuss in non-conflict times. 
don't try to work out your treaty during, during the war. Okay? You're going to need to fight a little bit and have some, have some peace time. You've never seen two countries right in the middle of war trying to work something out. They're, 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 they're fighting. Okay? So it's when good times happen, you sit with that person. This can be your children. This can be your spouse. It can be your, your possible spouse. You sit down with them during peace and talk about the war times. Don't discuss war times during war times. Wait for the right time to do it. And for us, many of us have said something in here that we've regretted, right? Yeah, I have. How many of you would say, I've been in a place that I've been slow to speak? Would anybody say, that's me today? Would you be willing to say that? Because that's where I'm at. And as I, we're even, as I was going through this message this week, I was realizing, man, there's some areas I've really got to work on with my spouse. So here's something we put in place, tangible. Fight fear. Don't hit below the belt. It's called the issue rule. And some of you know this, and I've shared it many times, but for you that haven't, it's called the issue rule. If she brings an issue to me, at that moment we deal with one issue at one time. If she says, honey, you've not carried the trash out. I can't say, well, you don't put more toilet paper on the toilet paper roll. Not allowed. Not allowed. We have a commandment. I mean, so if she comes to me, if I bring that up, she says, okay, well, then when you're mature enough to follow the rules that we made in our marriage, I'll come back to you. That's what she says to me. So she brings the issue to me. It's one issue. She says, honey, you know, I asked you to do this and, and you didn't do this. And it's actually been several times. We need to talk about it. Then it's my goal then. She has a talking stick and I'm listening. I'm leaning in and I'm trying to clarify and get better. The one issue rule at a time. Because many times, how many times have you been in a fight and they bring the issue up and you counteract with your issue? Oh, yeah, really? You're you going to say that I do this? Well, get ready. So I'm getting ready to tear you a new one right now in this argument. If, if you're planning on, and some of you that, that are married need to do this. My, my wife and I did this. We had a great premarital counseling. Went through lots of weeks of it. And it was action stuff, not just, just you know, sitting around. Is you need to make ten commandments of marriage. You personally. Okay? Any ten commandments that, that maybe you grew up with, your family of origin, whatever it was. Um, you know, I had some. There were some was like, thou shalt eat steak. I love steak. <laughs> Thou shalt pull for NC State and go to NC State games. And when the NC State's on, I'm going to watch NC State. So guess what my wife knows? Yesterday the NC State was, game was on. That was for three hours she let me watch that game. She had certain commitments. Thou shalt have fun. We will go to, to amusement parks like we did Friday for ten and a half hours. <laughs> There's commandments. And we, and we pulled these commandments together and said these are the rules for our These are things that we both value, our core values for our marriage. And it's helped out so much because everything is clear. Now, when you are in an argument, never do this. Here's, here's some things that you never do. Never call names. Especially, check in, never call them their parents. You're just like your mama. You're just like your daddy. Don't ever do that. Never raise your voice. It doesn't accomplish anything. Never raise your voice. As a matter of fact, if one of us raises our voice, boom, argument's over. Okay, nope. I'll come back later. It seems like you, you're not able to, to, to be mature in this manner um, here. And so we, we call time out and we back away. Don't raise your voice. Pray, sing in tongues. I don't know what you got to do. Go sit in the corner on your head. Don't raise your voice. The second thing is this. Never get historical. Don't keep scorecards. Oh, yeah, all right. 
because my wife, you know, it's funny. She'll say, I'll say, well, babe, you know, you, 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 know, you do this. Or, or I was like, you know what? You do these things. It really gets my nerves. And we're, we're going, she's like, well, tell me, what is it? I can't remember right now. So, you know what I started doing? I started keeping a scorecard. <laughs> It did not help at all. It was the dumbest thing I ever did. Well, last week at 10.30 a.m., you did this. I caught you in the act. It did not help. Don't, don't, I mean, don't go back. In 1962, you know, you didn't turn the channel for me on the TV when I asked you to. This is before remotes. And don't, don't bring that up. Don't keep scorecards. That is bitterness. And the Bible does tell us that love keeps no record of wrongs. That means you don't keep quoting what that person's done to you a year ago. And you keep bringing that up. That's an indictment on your part, not an observation. That means that there's something in your heart, if you keep bringing it up and replaying it, there's something in you that you've not allowed the Lord to deal with if you keep scorecards. Never say never or always. <laughs> That's one of the rules we have too. We can, we can never say always or never because it's not true. It's offensive and it's very rarely true. Very rarely true. And so you cannot use those definitive terms when you're, you're guarding your words carefully. You can't use those terms. Never threaten divorce. It's a low blow and an indictment on your immaturity. If you do that, you're an immature person who you need counseling if you're threatening them with divorce. Okay? You, you also love me. Amen. Then help me with this one. Never quote your pastor during a fight. <laughs> Well, Pastor Kevin's just teaching on, you know, fighting fair, and you're keeping scorecards, and you're, you're doing this. Listen, I'm probably driving around a downtown somewhere, and I'm lost, and I'm angry, and I'm trying to work my own problems out. Don't bring me into your fights, okay? <laughs> In marital research, there, there's been re, uh, the, this, this study found where couples that divor divorce, 10 out of every 100 comments are insults, negativity, or put down. 10 out of 100. Those are those that, that divorce within 10 to 15 years. Those that make it past 15 to 30 only have 5 out of 100 every comments that are negative insults or arguments. So it's not the fact that are we going to do that? Yeah, 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 you're going to. But the couples that make it do it a lot less. And they've learned to guard their words carefully. And guys, we've got to make that commitment today that we will guard our words carefully. And here's your third and final point this morning. And I'm telling you, if you'll take these notes and you'll sit down with, with your spouse or if you're single, sit down with the Lord and you work on this, I guarantee your marriages will look a lot better. Handle your anger righteously. The third and final point is handle your anger righteously. And James 1.19 says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Some of y'all need to let, just let it go. It's not worth it, all right? It's not worth it. He's going to always leave his underwear on the floor in that same spot. Now you can manage him and you can help him a little bit, but he's never going to be delivered from that. <laughs> Ephesians 4.26 says this, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And watch this, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, here's the deal. Some couples can deal with it before the sun goes down. My wife and I can. We, we, we're both high D personalities, type A's, but we've learned to be very, we've, we've learned to put gloves on when we hit. And we can get it done before the night's over with. Some of you can't because you have a processor that's a husband or a wife. Somebody said amen? And they don't want to talk about it right then. They need, a, they need a day to think about it. And so what you do at that point is you say, okay, we'll talk about it tomorrow at this time at dinner. 
Give them time to cool down. But if you can, here's the principle for all of us. Don't let issues go unresolved. In some marriages a day, and we've been married 30 years, and how can you tell me? But you're not happy. It's not the fact of how long you've been. It's the quality of marriage that that yet you have. And some of you today are in this place where you're like, man, it's just not going well. And it's not going well for the fact that you have unresolved conflict. It really hurts you what they said, and you've never talked to them because you feel like they don't care. And today's the day when you'll get to go to them and say, I think we need to reopen those can of worms and talk a little bit about what's going on and what happened. You hurt me when, when you said that. And I'm saying this because I love you, not because I'm mad at you. You cannot give the devil a foothold. One rule we have is we will work this out. We will make it happen. I, I, I just believe we can work anything out if both people are willing to do the work. And so my wife and I had this principle, we will work anything out. And so if we're going through something, I was like, baby, it's going to be fine. Because quickly fixed is quickly forgotten. Did you catch that? Quickly fixed is quickly forgotten. Because if you don't deal with unresolved issues, what ha- happens is that offense that you had, you got offended. It becomes anger. And anger, as it gets deep-seated, becomes bitterness. See, anger is an emotion that kind of comes and goes. Bitterness stays, it gets deep, and it surfaces at all the bad times. And the Bible says that the root of bitterness can defile the whole body, meaning that if you're bitter about something, that means it's like if, if, if with these glasses or if I put sunshades on, no matter what I look at, it's always going to be tinted. And I'm a bl- well, you're tinted today, Alan. What's your problem? It's like, I, nothing's wrong with me. It's your glass. No, 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 it's you. Bitterness causes you to view everybody else and everything else in a way that is distorted. And then when bitterness has its way, you then fall into betrayal. And then, then you're going to seek a way to cut that, to break that, and seek revenge on that person, on those people, whatever it is. But if you deal with it when it's a fleeting emotion, it's an offense, it's anger, if you deal with it then, boom, squash it, kill it, you never get to that point. And Jesus even said that in the last days, you'll find people that are going to get angry at each other and going to betray each other. Talking about believers. And we have to cut it off before it ever seeks to take root. See, there's two types of fighters. There's the silent type, and there's a, there, there, then there's the huffers. Any huffers in here? Okay, good, got one. Any silent type? I'm a huffer. If I, if I get upset with my wife, like, and she's silent, like, like, she'll literally roll over and not talk to me. And I will just stomp around the house. I'll close the cabinets. I'll, you know, I'll make noise. I want her to know that I'm here. I'm around. And, and you know, then I get in the bed, and it's like... We neither one want our feet to touch or our body to touch because you, you don't want to touch the enemy, right? Because when anger seeps in, it does that to you. You don't want to have anywhere there. It's, it's, it's those type of reactions we have. And don't forget, remember last week I said don't stop flossing? If you weren't here last week, listen to the podcast. It's the little thing that you do that creates all the momentum for the big things. Don't stop. Don't stop praying. How you deal with anger in a marriage is prayer. And I said this last week, and um, somebody brought up to my attention how much it helped them. Oh, 50% of marriages are, are set to fail. 50%, one out of two. But when you pray together as a couple, less than 1% actually divorce. 99% make it. You know why? Because you're sensitive to God. It's easy to get mad at that person and, and act all out and act stupid, but when you're sensitive to God, then the, and, you know, and my wife knows, all, all the Holy Spirit take care of him. 
I can't wait to get along doing his journaling and reading and praying because God's going to hit him right upside the head. She can just wait because she knows. God. And I'm the same with her. She's sensitive to the Lord. And I know that she'll let the Lord speak to her and deal with her in those things. And when you are sensitive to God's spirit, it causes you to respond, not react. It causes you to respond and not react. Listen to me. In your relationships, your, your preparation, or your repairing, you need to learn to listen carefully. And some of you men during lunch talk about it. You know what? We need to listen carefully and set some rules. Others of you need to guard your words faithfully. You keep saying things, and they're daggers. And it's not that person's fault. It's something in your heart. And then many of us in here deal with anger. And you get so angry, you shut down, you say things you, you shouldn't. But I really believe today's an intervention for many of us. See, you have a real enemy named Satan, and that's the one you should be fighting. And you let your spouse know that. Don't call them the devil. You're the devil. You need to understand that you have a real enemy that you're fighting. And if you'll memorize this as a couple, everyone needs to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And if you're slow to become to, to do those things, I guarantee your marriage will be great. Bow your head and close your eyes with me today.